We are talking once again with Job Parrish, local writer and activist, here to give us a wrap-up of this past week's news. Good morning. Good afternoon, and happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day, yes. Gotta- you know, the, the one day a year in which we honor the planet we live on, and we go back to destroying it the other 364. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're about to lose our uh, our damage deposit on our... Uh, Probably, yeah. So. And, but the thing is, we're you know we're we don't have the capacity to move out. We might get ev- might get evicted, but you know that's a different yeah. story. So, uh, starting out with the final week of uh, the legislature in Olympia for this year. Yeah, actually, the final weekend, the uh, legislature has to wrap up its business by uh, midnight uh, Sunday night, tomorrow night, and. Uh, uh, by that time, they have to pass both a capital and a general operating budget. That's the, uh, as, as well as, you know, hundreds of bills that are, are waiting on it for a vote, some of which they'll get to, some of which they won't. Um, the, uh, uh, the House and Senate Democrats yesterday announced agreement on an $8.9 billion capital budget. Um, and interestingly, I know about that because, um, I'm on the email list, but I, not because I saw it in the Seattle Times because they haven't done another word on it. So uh, the $8.9 billion is for all kinds of state construction. Uh, $570 million is going into affordable housing, uh, which I think is a, a new record. Um, $400 million uh, will go into the housing trust fund also. So a lot of money going into public housing. Uh, uh, more money going into shelters for the homeless, a lot of money going into, uh, you know, infrastructure upgrades for, uh, K through 12 and higher education. You know, e- every kind of government construction that you can think of is included in this bill. So almost nine billion total. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Governor Inslee signed into law a couple of significant bills this week. Uh, House Bill 1240, which we've been talking about for a couple weeks, the assault weapons ban, uh, Washington, that is now law. Uh, Washington becomes the 10th state to ban assault weapons in one form or another. Um, and I'm sure it's being challenged legally in all of those states. Uh, uh, a new law that got less attention was House Bill 1329. Um, that bans uh, utilities from doing uh, shutoffs. Um, for delinquent payments, uh, when, <coughs> excuse me, when the National Weather Service has a heat warning out. So, for instance, when we had that horrible, uh, heat wave a couple of years ago, uh, you know, utilities now cannot shut you off for a non-payment, uh, right in the middle of that. Because as, as the bill sponsor, uh, from Tacoma made clear, that's a life-threatening thing. So, uh, that was good news and, uh, uh, could affect a lot of people as we move into Spring and summer, it's going to get warmer next week. So, um, yeah. So, uh, as I said, the uh, deadline is uh, tomorrow night at midnight. There's kind of a fire hose of bills going through the, <coughs> excuse me, going through the legislature right now, and um, we'll have a full rundown when Maria's back next week. So yeah, the heat waves are now a new feature of uh, obviously the Pacific Northwest, although they haven't kicked in uh, much yet, but. Jesus, um, Asia is dealing with a record-breaking April so far, shattering all previous records for a heat. Yes, 
And, it, and it's supposed to be 80 degrees by the end of this coming week. So it is the new normal for sure. And, um, you know, uh, the National Weather Service issues heat warnings for extreme heat. For Western Washington, it's usually around 90 degrees. I think it's a little higher in Eastern Washington because they're used to that nonsense. But, um, but yeah, so we, we get a couple of those stretches every year at least. So that's, uh, that was good news. Yeah. And oftentimes they're part of, uh, greater, uh, heat domes that are impacting the rest of the country as well. At least the last, uh, couple of years we've seen that. So. Yeah. Uh, well, or at least much of the Western North America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they do kind of get you. You do at least in the Pacific Northwest, we have gotten um, kind of a greater sense of the impending disaster for each individual heat dome, uh, probably sooner than our local utilities would be recognizing it. Yes, but the state legislature is now acting on that, and uh, yeah. uh, and Inslee has signed it into law, so it's a done deal. All right. Further developments this week with the Supreme Court and Mifepristone? Yeah. Mifep, uh, Supreme Court ruled yesterday, Friday, that Mifepristone could remain on the shelves. Uh, the uh, One of the two pills used for medical abortions in this country. Uh, it's a two-pill regimen, and that's one of them. Um, the only uh, the only dissents that were issued were from Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas. No surprise there, the the two chief ideologues on the court. Um, but um, the Supreme Court is still going to hear the case. There are conflicting rulings from district courts in Eastern Washington and North Texas. Uh, the Texas one is the one that's gotten the most attention because that would ban Mifepristone. Uh, ruling made by a Trump appointee that. Uh, basically says the FDA doesn't know what it's doing. This is totally unsafe. It's basically a conspiracy theory kind of ruling, um, you know, or a conclusion in, in search of a legal justification. But the Supreme Court is going to hear that. So this is not a done deal yet. It just means that between now and the end of the uh, what is looking to be a very crowded Supreme Court calendar at the end of June, uh, they will consider and rule on that case. So. Sometime in the next um, eight or nine weeks, um, you know, we'll we'll get a final ruling on it. But for now, uh, those pills can stay on the shelves. Of course, Walgreens has already pulled uh, pills from the shelves, which has, you know, triggered a boycott and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, it's um, it it really underscores. I mean, you know, mom and pop pharmacies simply no longer exist. There, uh, it's a, as with so many other industries, it's a handful of giant retailers now, uh, CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, et cetera. So that's where that stands. Um, and, uh, you know, no, no further scandals involving Clarence Thomas this week, aside from the fact that he's still on the Supreme Court. They're waiting for another shoe to drop on that one. Um, speaking of the legal system, uh, we had a huge development this week. Uh, the uh, Fox News, after insisting for months that they wouldn't settle the uh, $1.6 billion lawsuit from Dominion Voting Systems, uh, promptly settled it just before it was supposed to go to trial. Um, $787 million they agreed to pay out, which is, you know, a relative drop in the bucket in terms of the cash flow of the Murdoch media empire. Um, and 
you know, if you're a Fox News viewer, you would never know the settlement happened, even though it was the lead story on almost every other major media outlet in the U.S. In addition, Fox was not required to say on air that it knowingly lied about the results of the 2020 election. Not that that would have changed anybody's mind because they've been, you know, hearing the big lie over and over and over for, you know, um, two and a half years at this point. And, you know, this is this is what advertising is based on is repetition. Repetition is the key to successful advertising. And Donald Trump very much stays on message like a good politician. He lies and lies and he tells the same lie over and over. And people believe it because it's coming from the former president of the United States. It must be true. And he's saying it over and over again. He must believe it. Um, and, you know, uh, maybe he's psychotic enough that he does believe it. But unfortunately, millions, tens of millions of Americans believe it also. And they're not going to be convinced by any amount of evidence at this point let alone a couple of mea culpas on the air at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or whatever. Um, so that was the outcome of the Dominion lawsuit. We also had another uh, interesting development on the, the 2020 big lie front this week. Um, Mike Lindell, the, the obnoxious my pillow guy, you may remember him as being one of the leading cheerleaders for Trump conspiracy theories about the election. And... At some point in 2021, I think it was summer, he held a conference in South Dakota at which he promised to unveil the conclusive evidence that, you know, China tampered with the election in favor of Joe Biden. Now, why they would do that when they could, you know, monitor all of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago phone calls uh, is beyond me. They probably loved having Trump in office. But anyway, um so he offered $5 million to anyone who could prove that the data dumps that he was releasing publicly did not prove 2020 election fraud. Well, some guy named Reno, a computer expert, went to the conference and decided to take Lindell up on the challenge and went through the packets of information that he got very carefully and discovered that almost none of them had anything to do with the 2020 election. And he um, applied for the $5 million. He was turned down by Lindell's company. And, of course, you know, the Lindell's contest, the fine print, is that you can't sue us. You have to go to an arbitration process. So he went to the arbitration process. And this week, the arbiter said, yep, Lindell, you owe him $5 million. He proved it. So... Uh, my pillow guy is out five million dollars uh, because he lied about the election, and uh, it was conclusively proven. Now, um, again, that is not something Fox News is going to be highlighting, uh, or anybody who you know is <clears throat> adores Mike Lindell, but um, they're overpriced lousy pillows anyway. All right, uh, moving on then to uh, multiple shooting incidents that happened this week. I realize that doesn't narrow it down much here in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're getting a lot of uh, publicity this week about uh, incidents where um, uh, somebody goes up to somebody else's house mistakenly and gets shot for their efforts. Uh, the first one happened a week ago today in Kansas City. A 16-year-old boy named Ralph Yarl was going to pick up his... Um, uh, younger brother from, I believe it's like 115 
you know, Northeast, Northeast 115th Street or something like that. And he went to Northeast 115th Terrace by mistake. Uh, or it might have been the other way around. Anyway, people in Seattle are very familiar with that kind of problem. Okay. Um, but, um, uh, so, uh, walks up to the door and, um, the, the resident of it, who was an 84 year old white man named, uh, Andrew Yester, uh, shoots him. Um, uh, yes, uh, shoots him and has, has subsequently been arrested for that. Um, uh, you know, a lot of protests in Kansas City. There are racial components to it, according to investigators. Um, you know, according to a family member, uh, the shooter was a, uh, you know, trafficked in racist memes and conspiracy theories and conservative media, all the things you might expect. And when I was talking earlier about, um, you know, conservative media and uh, how that uh, promotes this culture of fear, um, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so, um, so he will probably, you know, spend the rest of his uh, golden years in jail, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Jarl, for his part, uh, survived. He is still in critical condition, the last I heard in a Kansas City hospital. Um, that is better than can be uh, said for uh, Kaylin Gillis. She is a was a 20-year-old white woman who was shot and killed when the car of teenagers that she was in uh, went up a long rural driveway by mistake, a mistaken address thing again, and was uh, shot from a distance by a 65-year-old man named Ralph Monahan. Um, Kevin Monahan. Kevin Monahan. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting my Ralphs mixed up. So yeah, that got a lot of attention, also, particularly because it was in New York State. But uh, uh, and you know the young woman was killed, but in that incident, and it really underscores that number one, we have too many damn guns in this country, and number two, too many people willing to use them at the slightest provocation. Um, you know, it used to be that when somebody was coming up to your door unsolicited. It was a Mormon missionary or uh, Avon or the welcome wagon or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't shoot them on the front porch. Um, that has all changed. And if I were a Mormon missionary, I would request a post almost anywhere but the U.S. at this point. It's just completely nuts. The number of uh, times that, you know, we as individuals uh, have gone to the wrong address or have gone up the wrong driveway or the wrong road or whatever. And it didn't uh, end with a gunfire. And that's yeah. the new standard. Apparently. Well, certainly uh, when that happens, it's getting a lot of attention now. And who knows how many local stories are like that, that aren't getting a lot of national attention. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's so many guns in the U S more guns than people. Um, you know, there's more guns than there's more places you can buy guns than there are gas stations in the U.S. It's, um, uh, you know, I'm glad for the assault weapons ban in Washington state, but we need 40 other states to do the same thing. And that's not going to happen, nor is Congress going to act because, you know, they're I won't see the word. Um, yeah, it is, you know, the gun safety is just an, an insane problem in this country. Um Meanwhile, uh, uh, speaking of, of heavily armed, 
Let's talk about the death of Joyland Walker. He was a 25-year-old black man who was killed by Akron police uh, last June 8th after, um, excuse me, last last June after uh, eight police opened fire and uh, shot at him 94 times. He was uh, fleeing on foot after he had fled a, tra- a traffic stop. Hmm. Uh, it turns out that he had good reason to be afraid of the cops. And a grand jury this week were, uh, returned uh, a decision that there would be no charges. Uh, now, the police claimed that uh, Walker had opened fire on them from his vehicle while he was uh, fleeing the traffic stop. Uh, there was no evidence of that, and uh, there was no gun found on Walker's person or in his car when, um, you know, after his death. So, uh you know, who are you going to believe? The grand jury obviously thought that, you know, it couldn't be proven beyond a reasonable doubt that that Walker didn't have a gun at some point in it. But you would think that with that many police eyes on him, they would have noticed if he had chucked it at some point. Um, in any event, uh, you may remember that story from last summer because there were a lot of local protests in Akron and in Ohio. And that that was the legal resolution to that case. I'm sure there will be a civil lawsuit from Walker's family also. And uh, speaking of uh, murder and shootings, we had another one last uh, Saturday night in uh, tiny Dadeville, Alabama, uh, population 3000. It's in east central Alabama. It is uh, near Alexander City and a uh, uh, 16-year-old rented a dance hall locally for her 16th birthday party. Um, four killed, 32 wounded. Um, so far, they have arrested six people, four of them who, whom were charged with reckless murder. I'm not sure what... Um, <coughs> I'm not sure if well-executed murder is a, is a different charge or what, but... Um, and, you know, according to police, there were multiple guns involved and all kinds, and they haven't said a lot about who instigated this, how it came about, how it played out. Uh, they're just saying that the investigation is ongoing and it's really complicated. And I'm sure it is the most, you know, complicated thing that, uh, rural Alabama police have seen in a long, long time. Um, but, uh, an, another tragic mass shooting. And um, as we enter another weekend and the weather is getting warmer in much of the country, uh, we can look forward to these on a pretty much a weekly basis, at least. And then uh, finally, uh, one last follow up on the mass shooting earlier this month in Nashville, Tennessee, at a uh, Christian uh, elementary school. Um, and you may remember that uh, that. Um, Three Tennessee legislators were expelled from the Tennessee House of Representatives, all of them Democrats. Uh, excuse me, three of them were up for uh, expulsion. Two of them were actually expelled, uh, the two African-American guys, both young, um, uh, one from Nashville, one from Memphis, uh, which are the state's two largest cities. And um, they were immediately reinstated last week by their uh, their local county commissioners, um, so they're they're back in the House of Representatives, although they're the, it's interim appointments. It's not uh, it's not the original election you know electoral process, but 
Um, we learned this week that one of the Republican leaders of that expulsion effort, a guy named Scotty Campbell, um, uh, uh, resigned three weeks ago. The House Ethics Committee came back with a finding that he had sexually harassed uh, two female teenage interns. Um, the House Republican leader sat on this information, did not divulge it or make it public. Most other legislators had no idea this was happening, even as uh, Campbell was leading the effort to expel uh, Democrats from the legislature for basically using a bullhorn to protest uh, gun violence. Um, so uh, this became public when a local Nashville TV station started questioning Campbell about it, and uh, six hours later, Campbell had resigned. So that happened on Thursday. Um, incidentally, uh, Campbell's press release on this was kind of uh, uh, kind of hilarious. He characterized his uh, his interactions with the interns as quote consensual adult conversations, <laughs> which which has got to be the 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 uh, uh, the best euphemism I've ever heard for you know sexually harassing teenagers. But um, yeah, who are you know who who you're the boss of? But, um, yeah, so he's gone, and uh, not not a moment too soon, it sounds like. Okay. Well, we haven't talked about COVID in, well, I think, well over a month, but there continues to be people dying in the U.S. from it, and uh, it's officially... Yeah, about, about 200 a day. Although the Biden administration says it's officially over. Didn't they oh, yeah. uh, make the announcement? Yeah. No, everybody says it's over. Um, but it's not. Incidentally, we also had a, uh, a piece of news this week that hmm. um, uh, investigators have conclusively uh, concluded that uh, the, uh, the virus did originate in that Wuhan lab. So that was one conspiracy theory that has turned out to be true and was covered up by the Chinese government, which is not a surprise for anybody familiar with the Chinese government. But the uh, uh, the major news in terms of our listeners is that uh, the FDA and CDC this week authorized a uh, a new uh, uh, COVID vaccine and recommended that uh, people who are immunosuppressed, of which there are about seven million in this country, or over the age of sixty five, of which there are about fifty three million. Uh, so you know, overall, more than one in six Americans. Um, fall into one of those categories that um, that they should take another uh, COVID booster uh, to to update the one that was made available uh, last fall. So uh, uh, also the uh, the CDC and the FDA uh, quietly withdrew their authorization for the original Moderna and Pfizer vaccines because that formula formulation did not cover the Omicron variant, which uh, Omicron and its subvariants are still the dominant uh, uh, dominant COVID uh, strain in the United States. So, um, you know, they, they took that off the market, not for safety reasons, as you may have read in your uh, friendly uh, anti-vaxxer website, but for because uh, it simply didn't cover Omicron. And now they have vaccines that do that are widely available. So if you fall into one of those uh, age groups or are immune suppression or immunocompromised, um, 
go get yourself boosted because uh, the pandemic is still with us, even in King County. Um, you know, the numbers have been slowly declining, and it's not clear whether that's because fewer people are getting the virus or fewer people are reporting that they get the virus because they have home testing kits and uh, they're not always reporting to the county or state that when they test positive. In fact, I think most people probably don't. So, exactly. um, so yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I, I spent a couple of years uh, pretty much putting out those numbers every day, and um, I stopped simply because they're no longer reliable. Uh, we don't right. we really don't know where we stand on the virus because nobody's keeping track. At least yeah. nobody's keeping track accurately. Or reporting the data publicly. Yes. I mean, I mean you figure there's got to be somebody keeping track of it. You know? Well, you know, the Washington Department of Health, which had an excellent website on COVID, uh, pulled that website uh, last month, I believe. Uh, so it's it's no longer reporting anything. You can still uh, get local information from the Seattle King County Public Health Office. But, um, you know, it, uh, the only way to get to the statewide information is to survey each county. And uh, not every county is keeping track of it either. So it's kind of hopeless. All right. So uh, I think well, I think we're out of time. Oh, let's squeeze in one more if we can. Sure. How about well, Sudan? Yeah. Uh, incidentally, uh, Biden is going to announce his re-election campaign next Tuesday. Look for that this coming week. Uh, um, Suzanne, uh, Sudan is one of two major stories out of sub-Saharan Africa this week. Uh, two rival factions within the military erupted in civil war. Um, they are uh, at least one of the leaders of the, of the faction is the same dude who uh, led the uh, the human rights abuses in Darfur about a decade ago for people who remember that. Um, and about 400 people have been, uh, killed since that war erupted last week. Uh, of course, as often happens with these kind of civil wars, uh, civilians get caught in the crossfire. It's very unfortunate. And, uh, uh, LGBTQ people are fleeing the African country of Uganda in droves ahead of uh, the May 1st implementation of a law that basically makes uh, homosexual behavior punishable by life in prison. Uh, it is a, a very extreme measure that has been condemned by the UN and various other people and uh, incidentally was uh, originally financed uh, in large part by the American Christian right. So, um, yeah, another another fine American export. Well, I can't say it's been um, overly uplifting this week. Not especially. I mean, the assault weapons ban was good. Yeah. The housing, you know, the housing money in the capital budget was good. Yeah, $570 million um, or, uh is nothing to laugh at. But uh, didn't they have a analysis for just this the greater Seattle area that we really needed like a minimum of two billion dollar investment in housing to oh yeah it's not going to be enough but this is just for the coming two years yeah so All right. yeah 